0: Sign up with MyBookie and use our promo code GATORS to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with MyBookie. Want more GATORS Breakdown? Join GATORS Breakdown Plus starting at $3 a month. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore sec. Joining you right here, Monday night episode with co-host Will Miles. You can find him at his site, readandreaction.com, YouTube Read and Reaction on Twitter at Will Miles SEC, all that good stuff there. Will Four and four. I'm not sure we saw that coming at the beginning of the season, but after a 34 to seven loss to Georgia Gators, sit at four and four on the season. Um, it wasn't pretty. Um, hung in there for most of the first half, collapse of the end of this first half, uh, and then pretty much over there, uh, for, over with from there. But um, you know, we'll get into a meat of the episode here too, will. But uh, look, I mean to get you and bring you in here. The opinion, opinion of Dan Mullen you know, shouldn't change after Saturday. Whatever you thought of him going in, I'm not sure what this game really showed you to to change your opinion any.
1: No, I mean I think we all sort of know what we've got at this point and some of us have figured it out earlier than others. I've been a little bit defensive about making a change over the last couple of weeks. Though Mullen's making it harder and harder for people to root for him, you sort of stirred up a hornet's nest with your question today during the press conference, and uh, Mullen's answers have not been been answers that really are going to quell down any of the discontent within the fan base. And, um, you know, I want to be behind the program. I want to be behind the coach. I want to have good things to say about the program and the coach. But when you go out and get embarrassed by your rival, it's really hard to do anything other than say, hey – how are you going to improve? And then when the coach says, next question, I don't know what you're supposed to do at that point. We don't get any information from him. You know, we didn't get any access to the spring game, no access to the fall camp and you know fans are left with what they've seen on the field and what they've seen on the field is an inconsistent team that doesn't make big plays and then you get the article that comes out with the athletic today basically saying that the program is undisciplined that people don't play hard and that the game plans never change and that adjustments can't be made so I I don't know what we're to make of it other than it looks like a mess maybe there are some ulterior motives for some of those things but um, at the end of the day there's no There's no public relations campaign to make us feel any better about it. So all we're left with is watching Georgia beat the crap out of the team we love while, you know, the rest of them sort of slink off and don't sing the alma mater at the end. It's been a rough few days.
0: Yeah, yeah, we'll get into uh, uh, most of that right there, of course. Uh, And look, you know, whatever. Um, You mentioned the athletic article. We'll get into that. Uh, We'll get into today's press conference as well, the short 13-minute press conference that it was uh, with Dan Mullen today uh here so look you know whatever you thought about you know as far as looking back at the game itself the game versus Georgia you know whatever you thought about Dan Mullen going in most expected a loss you know yeah I don't think anything Saturday swayed you one way or the other Uh you pretty much knew what was happening going in and then look I'm not saying be happy about a loss to Georgia you know that, that one hurts me more than anything and if, if you know me I hate that loss to Georgia whenever, whenever, whenever it happens. Uh, so, but look, expectations come into play, Will. Uh, realistic expectations, of course. Uh, and look, if you expected Florida to win that game Saturday, okay, then maybe that sways your opinion of Dan Mullen. But I'm not so sure, you know, where that expectation would have come from, uh, of course, of what we've been dealing with so far this season. We didn't learn anything different from Dan Mullen and this program Saturday versus Georgia. Then that, you know, that we didn't already know going in. So, um, there's – there's a the way I'll bring you in this episode, Will.
1: <laughs> I mean, it confirmed that Florida doesn't have a gear that yeah. we've been hoping they might have. Could they put together 60 minutes? Could they put together a full game? Was it yeah, possible? Was the,
0: gotcha. Yeah.
1: You know, I think that was always the hope. Is you saw flashes and you said, hey. If the defense can put it together, the defensive backs are getting better. If the offense can put it together and stop being so maddeningly inconsistent and stop turning the ball over. If the defense can keep somebody out of the end zone after a turnover, if the special teams can make a play, like all those things that complete teams start to put together are things that uh, you know, that Florida has been unable to do all year. And then they confirmed that it's not necessarily just they've been sort of playing possum and have gotten caught a couple times. It's that they really don't have that second gear. They really can't ride to the occasion and the idea that they've been playing down to their opponents i think is a misnomer i think they are an average football team and four and four reflects that but so does the mistakes and the false starts and the penalties and the turnovers and the special teams being awful and all the different things that we've seen crop up throughout the year and then they all cropped up against georgia yeah. and, it, and it turned into a disaster especially the last couple of minutes of that first half
0: yeah, well, so we'll get into it. Of course, we, we, you and I, we got our wish of of Anthony Richardson starting at quarterback. Uh, we can get into that a, a little bit before we squeeze out of here. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of other things to get into um, uh, for, for this uh, episode as well, but yeah, we'll, we'll go back and, and, and at least look at that big storyline of, uh, of the, uh, of, of the game when we go back and look at it uh, before we sign off here on this episode. So, um, I probably shouldn't bury the lead. Will, as you mentioned, uh start up a hornet's nest today. Uh did not mean to. Now, no, of course, uh yes, recruiting is a lightning rod topic. Um, and it has been the last couple of days. Uh, when you play Georgia, you know that's what you're getting on the field when you play against them. Uh, it's what we have been pointing to for a few years now. Of the, the different, the main difference between these two teams, uh, and you know Georgia and the rest of the country, and Alabama and the rest of the country. You know, it's not just a not just a Florida problem, of course. But that's who we cover. That's where our hearts lies, and and that's where we go with it. So, of course, you know Kirby Smart took his veiled little. I mean, he was he was straight up asked, you know, mainly why they're so good. Uh, and he he's the one who brought up recruiting. So, of course, um, in a way, maybe. A veiled shot at, at at Dan Mullen and his approach to recruiting and program management and, and all that, but of course it got blown up uh, the way uh, Kirby Smart says he approaches recruiting and how it's you know basically how he builds his team and it is the difference in his team and everybody else picks up on that and talks about showing how and Dan Mullen was asked after the game too the, about the gap between Florida and Georgia uh, and of course Florida won the game last year but we'll will our basis has always been consistency and ever since Dan Mullen's been head coach at Florida even if you want to go back to his last year at Mississippi State he's got one win over Kirby Smart uh, as head coaches going against each other so that is always going to be a comparison uh, of the two the recruiting level does the development matter how much does it matter how much the stars matter and at least in this head-to-head matchup the one that's got the stars is the one that's winning the game more times than not. So, of course, uh, recruiting was probably going to be asked about uh, at today's press conference, and, uh, Will, I'll play the soundbite. But, uh, you know, it was uh, – first all, we got to clear up what he actually said. But then, here, we'll just go ahead and play and then we'll get into it from there. The topic of recruiting has come up a lot the last couple of days from a few angles. Yeah. Uh, is there a different approach needed for uh, the level? No. Of consistency well of we're, we're
2: in the season right now. We'll do recruiting after the season, and when it gets this recruiting time, we can talk about recruiting.
0: Sounds good, okay. Um, it, next question it. boom, hit quick with the hit quick with the next question and then and, and shoved on. So, of course, you know, Dan Mullen mentions recruiting uh during recruiting season, and look, he meant to us talking to us, the media, we will discuss. Recruiting after the season. Not that he's only recruiting during recruiting season. That's kind of got lost in translation. A lot of people made that out of not what he really said. <laughs> he, it's not a not enough people feel that way, <laughs> but that's not what he said. That's not what he meant. Uh that he only recruits during recruiting season. So of course, recruiting season is all the time. But that's not what he meant. He just completely meant we're, we'll, well, if you want to talk recruiting, we'll talk it after the season. So I know, I mean, look, the question had to be asked. I had to, if in some people's eyes, I had to be the bad guy there uh, and, and take the bullet uh, it, with that lightning rod question. Uh, and Dan always having none of it. I uh, Did not. And look, and I've usually shied away from recruiting questions during the season. Will you know it here from the podcast? We we don't really we, we talk recruiting a lot. We don't like it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's part of it. And look, I and mean, we don't really talk about it during the season. If Florida gets a commit, a decommit, we'll discuss it. But you know, our big picture look at recruiting always comes signing day and some off-season topics that we have along the way as well. Uh, I know coaches don't really like to talk about it during the season, but they might not have a problem talking about it last year after beating Georgia and expounding on how big of a win and what that means for recruiting. Uh, And then, of course, with the all the storylines that surround playing Georgia and getting beat by Georgia recruiting is the hot topic. So it had to be asked. I asked. He didn't want to talk about it. That's the end of it. So um, I don't know. I, I mean, maybe I could have asked it different. Maybe I shouldn't have asked it. Maybe I should have. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think I should have. Uh, but uh, we'll uh, yeah, we'll move on. I'll get another question. And, and maybe I won't get the next question after that one. But uh, Gator Nation – The college football world picked it up, Will. It's been everywhere on social media. Uh, Paul Feinbaum picked up on it. A lot of it because it was misconstrued, but also a lot of it because everybody knows how important the role of recruiting plays in college football and the issues that Dan Mullen has had, at least on a top five-ish level of recruiting. And once again, just kind of not being discussed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a bunch of different things here. But the first thing is, is that this isn't the first time that he's bristled at being asked questions. I think, you know, somebody asked him if he was out coached after the game against against Kentucky. Okay, that that one's a little bit adversarial. You asked him about throwing deep and he basically glared you down at at that point for that particular for that particular fix. This isn't the first time that you've asked a question that was a difficult but fair question that he's just decided he didn't want to answer. Same thing, right? I mean, a difficult but fair question. We're not asking this question if Florida seven and one. We're not asking this right. question if Florida's eight. No, I don't even think we're asking this question if Florida's six and two. But Florida's four and four, and they just got ran off the field by their main rival when it comes to the SEC East. It's the team that everybody picks to win the East every year. And Mullen, you know, oh, they picked them last year, is sort of what the what he said going into SEC media days. There's a reason why everybody picks Georgia every year. It's because they recruit like crazy, and you just got your butt handed to you. So I think it's a legitimate question. I think it's something somebody needs to ask. And quite honestly, it's something that he doesn't necessarily have to give an answer he just has to say he just has to say look we recruit every day we bring in people who want to be gators people who want to be part of this family and people who are skilled football players at the end of the day that's our goal that's our focus it's our focus every day and we are committed to making sure we bring the best players that we possibly can to the university of florida you say it that way and it doesn't even turn into anything but the fact that he before
0: you move on for there in a way as the the fan in me I really was trying to hopefully get a positive p at least a positive p r reaction for it now, look, I know Dan Mullen's not going to win over a recruit because of what he says in a press conference, and I know a lot of times what he says in a press conference falls on deaf ears, but given the last couple of days i, I at least thought you know i i I don't think my my approach in asking an approaching question for a recruit, i don't think i come off as brash or or, or negative i was, I was hoping he would take the opportunity to As you said, say something, whether I guess he meant it or not, it was a PR opportunity. And look, we get into perception right here and right there. It's not that great.
1: Yeah, You you need to stop questioning yourself. You did the right thing. You asked a question (laughs) and he decided to be an a-hole about it. And, you know, that's the reality. And he gets to make that decision. But then he has to deal with the repercussions for making that decision, just like he gets to decide how much time and effort and energy he's going to put into recruiting. And then he has to live with the consequences. And the consequences this weekend were complete butt whipping. And so, you know, you get to decide how you build your program, you get to decide how you operate that program, you get to decide the assistant coaches that you retain or don't retain, you get to decide the players that you bring in or don't bring in, and then you have to live with the results. And at the end of the day, the results are substandard at best in 2021. And the results in the recruiting trail are substandard at best for what Florida's expectations are, and certainly substandard for that extension he just signed during the offseason. And so, you know, look, I I think we can be as fair to Dan Mullen as we want to be, or we, we can try to be as fair as we want to be. But at the end of the day, you know, if you're going to say things that cast yourself and your program in a poor light, it is not our job to carry your water. And it it is our job to point out deficiencies within the program. And it's also our job to be fair when there are positive things in the program. And I think you and I have really attempted to do that over the course of the last four years. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you get the kind of professionalism that you show other people. And I know people got excited when Mullen when Mullen sort of lambasted the sideline reporter and gave her one word answers, I think it was the Vanderbilt game where after he came off, she sort of asked how the defense was playing is awful. And then, you know, it was a couple of one word answers. It was unprofessional. And I know people looked at it and said, finally, he's getting mad, but you know, here's the reality, right. Is Mullen acts unprofessionally when he's, when he's asked questions, when he's emotional and when he doesn't want to answer them. And that seems to be the um, that seems to be the trend. I don't particularly like it, but it seems to be, that's what we're going to get. And, you know, we don't control, we don't control what goes on behind the scenes and who, who tells them to do different things for PR reasons and whether he even cares about the PR reasons. But at the end of the day, the words that come out of his mouth are things he controls and he didn't control them very well today. And that narrative right or wrong has taken off. And one of the reasons it's taken off is because quite honestly, and I call it sub elite recruiting. It's not, I think I said substandard earlier. I want to say sub elite, right? Because right. I think there are a lot of really, really good players at the University of Florida. Mm-hmm. The problem is there are a lot of really, really good players at Georgia and those players are a level above the players who are at Florida and it showed on the field.
0: Well, well, there you go. Uh, next part I'm going to, the, the the athletic picked up on you know the, the recruiting, of course, and that's one reason I asked and and they, they've been pointing it out uh, with another article today uh, pointing out the differences here. And in the last four recruiting cycles, Georgia has signed 27 top 50 prospects. Alabama has signed 24, LSU 11. 27 for Georgia, 24 for Alabama, 11 for LSU. For Florida, four. Four top 50 prospects for Florida. All right, so you know, there's a comparison. And for every top 50 player Florida has signed, Georgia has signed almost seven. Oof, and it's the last four recruiting cycles. So you know, since Dan Mullen's been here, uh, Ari Ari Wasserman, uh, national college football writer for the Athletic, uh, it, it brought up those stats there uh, today in there. So that lets you know uh, that's why it's brought up. That's why it's being talked about, and that's why we saw the thirty-four to seven score on Saturday uh, play out the the, the 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 way it did. But well, really, there you go. I mean, that was the And we've discussed it. This is nothing new. And I know it's beating a dead horse. But the way it it blew up today, it definitely had to be uh, put out there. First of all, I wanted to clear the message that, you know, Dan Baldwin did not mean he's not recruiting uh, all year. And there's a quote-unquote recruiting season. That's not what – is that what he said? But, yeah, the words were kind of mixed up there. That's not what he meant. Uh, But sure as heck didn't want to talk about it.
1: No, nah, man. Look, I think I, I'm enjoying. I, I do have to say, I'm I'm a little bit. Um, it's a little bit cathartic to enjoy everybody finding recruiting Jesus four years in, where you know. I mean, back in 2018, I was writing articles about recruiting and how it wasn't good enough, and got a lot of flack for it. The other thing is, I remember you and I both sort of called out the the spring game, the first spring game, where it didn't feel like they were taking that seriously, and and got a lot of flack for that as well. And now we're sort of finding that or at least we're hearing and the athletic article today talked about disciplinary type things, you know, where, you know, just looking like a mess, untucked shirts, all those sorts of little things. And we see it on the field with the little details that are missing on a on a pretty consistent basis this year. And so, yeah, man, I, I don't know. I, I look at it and I say. I don't know that there's an easy fix here. I don't know that there's a magic button that you turn, but I know that there is um, perception matters when it comes to recruiting perception matters when it comes to your fan base perception matters when it comes to your boosters and boosters don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be embarrassed about the program. They don't want to look at, they don't want to open up the athletic and see, and see an article that just sort of makes everything look like animal house. And that's kind of, you know, it, it just looks like the, it, it doesn't look like a discipline program from what was said there. Now, I do think we need to say that it was from, you know, unnamed sources and assistant coaches yeah. who have, who potentially could have access to grind and all that sort of stuff.
0: Well, I, I, I got it. So we'll definitely get into it. Yeah. So yeah. We, we got, I got even more details. So we'll definitely get into it.
1: All but right. Yeah, well, ahead. anyway, again, I, I think it doesn't matter when you're getting your butt beat, you can't, if you're going to bow up, the people don't want to see you bow up they want to see contrition they want to see yes i know this needs to be fixed i know this isn't okay and that was there was at least some of that tone after the the for the post game press conference after the georgia loss yeah i said that yesterday yep. but that was not the tone today and a 13 minute press conference followed by pulling all access to everyone else doesn't do anything other than amp the noise up and you know, somebody asked about noise in the system today during the during the press mm-hmm. conference. I got to be honest; it's pretty clear that Mullen's hearing the noise in the system based on the way he's reacting. Because why would he be um, why would he be so upset about questions from reporters if he wasn't if he wasn't hearing all that noise? You know, if he's able to block it out, then it should oh, just even be, admitted yeah, he
0: he even admitted that he does pay attention to it, so he knows what his players are possibly dealing with.
1: Yeah, well, uh, it sounds like he might be doing a little bit more than just that because, you know, he, he came into the press conference, you would figure that he would have come into the press conference ready for a question about recruiting, considering all of the stuff that's been going on for the last couple of days. And he just basically said, I'm not going to answer that. That's okay. In fact, if he had just said, I don't think I'm going to answer that right now, that would have been better than the answer he gave. The answer he gave could be construed in ways that are a PR PR nightmare. I mean, if I'm, uh, I guess not Kirby Smart, but if I'm, if I'm a team like Auburn or a team like uh, Mississippi, uh, Mississippi State or Old Miss, I'm like cutting that video and saying, Hmm. (laughs) look, we only recruit during the off season. (laughs) Like, you don't (laughs) want to go to Florida. Look at this guy. And I mean, I can understand you could use it for negative recruiting.
0: Yeah, hopefully that's not. And as we like we said, we'll get into it: perception versus reality. Dan Mullen got into that today too. I'll share that soundbite uh, as well. I'm on vacation this week, you know, so I'm still doing Gators Breakdown. No, no vacation from Gators Breakdown, will. But that's why I've had some more time to uh, work in these sound bites, and uh, I guess a, only a 13 minute uh, press conference helps in that regard too. So. Uh, we can uh, we we can break up the, the sound bites and put them in here a little bit, but uh, you know, before we sh- share more uh, from Dan Mullen and some of his thoughts today, you can still bet betting season all football season long at my bookie. They are still doubling your first deposit, so you start with a leg up. Use my promo code Gators. Sign up now, claim your first deposit bonus with my bookie, and use the extra funds to kickstart your winning season. Looking forward to next week, lay the points with Arizona as they continue streaking in San Francisco. And with two top ten offenses, Titans, Rams, we'll see the latest with Derrick Henry and all that. Does Does it play into your bet? Will you still take the over? Well, if you want to bet at my bookie, don't just take my word for it, head to my bookie. Sign up now using promo code Gators to get your money doubled and start winning today. Remember, good friends don't let friends win alone, so have your buddies use your referral link so you're eligible to receive an additional 250% bonus on their first deposit. Plus it's unlimited to redeem so all of your friends can join the party at my bookie. But anything, anywhere, anytime at my bookie. Right, well, let's get into a little bit more uh, Dan Mullen today and perception versus reality. So uh, we'll, we'll listen to this soundbite and we'll uh, get our reaction right after.
2: That's part of the job. That, that That's that's part of this, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it, it's it's six inches between a pat on the back and a kick in the rear end. And as a, in the SEC, you're either getting one or the other. Uh, there's no in between. There's no, hey, I guess everything's okay. Um uh, that's what I say, the perception and reality. Perception is everything's perfect or everything's horrendous. Reality, you're probably a little bit more in the middle somewhere. Uh, and you're just trying to figure out how to improve and get better. So, you know, it's some, I always tell our guys, when it, when, it, when it seems to be going good, it's probably not as good as everybody perceives it to be. There's issues we got to go fix. And when it's going bad, it's probably not as bad as it's going. And we just have a couple things, we, you know, we, we have areas we got to improve in. I think I have a decent enough feel for the perception. What do you think the reality is then right now? Yeah, we got, right? I mean, we, we addressed a bunch of them today. I'm not going to get into all of it. Uh, I think, you know, I mean, obviously the, the one, the, the big one is turnovers is a huge deal for us. We got to find a way uh, offensively. We're turning the ball over at an extremely high rate uh, and doing all the little things, you know, the attention to detail that way. Uh, I think the inconsistencies of our performance uh is something and and you watch it and we address that today the inconsistencies of our performance but also see you know we would what, what we pointed out is some of the inconsistencies during practice as well you know and you see from from hey here's four plays in a row and good bad good good or good bad good bad or you know one of those deals of and and why is there inconsistency whether it is in effort performance execution assignment uh what are the inconsistencies, uh, and how do we make sure we eliminate as many inconsistencies as possible?
0: There you go. Well, one of the themes for the episode would have been themes for the season of what we've discussed. You know, first of all, that was a theme: inconsistency. Before I was ready to determine this team whether they were good, average, bad, when inconsistency piles up, that pretty much leads right now to a four and four record uh, for, for, I'm not, if, if, yeah, I'll call you inconsistent, but I'll call you very average at the same time. Uh, Before I was ready to call you average, it was still, uh, you know, I I was just leaving it at inconsistent. Uh, But now that's where, you know, this has led to with a four and four victory for the Gators. So uh, will you mention the shutting down the media sessions this week? uh, And you heard Mullen talk about, you know, the inconsistency. We've discussed it. We've discussed that. We've discussed the turnovers. Come to Jesus moment today uh, for this football program. Enough of those reports are out there right now. Uh, Come to Jesus moment for the entire team, starting with the the, the head coach looking at himself, filtering it down to the rest of the coaching staff, filtering it down to the players. A lot more, hopefully, accountability uh, comes out of this. But, you know, shutting it down, maybe a bunker mentality starting this week. Um, we'll see how long this lasts for the season, uh, if, uh, Mullen will, you know, as far as interaction with the media and, uh, but you know, I don't think it's a bad move, uh, here, Will, uh, admittedly, uh, there is a lot out there right now on in the media, in the social media about this Gator program, a bunker mentality right now, probably not the, the worst idea for everybody to kind of just look in the mirror, get on the same page, uh, look, Mullen making it clear, Will. <laughs> no outside distractions, uh, this week for his football team as they get prepared to go play South Carolina. Uh, with everything that's swirling out there, you know, it's about the team, it's about getting on the same page, it's about moving forward, and it's fixing these issues that we've just discussed these last few weeks. And will kind of go into your point. It's just the issues we've been able to count on from Mullen year in and year out, but not this year. The ones that are accounting for turnovers, the ones that are accounting for penalties. Uh, and all the inconsistency Dan Mullen brings up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess – I would have figured that needing focus would have been the the word for the last two weeks, right? You had a yeah, bye week. Right. You had two weeks to prepare. You were going to go out there and you were going to be focused and you were going to eliminate the mistakes and you were going to be ready for the crowd noise and you were going to eliminate the turnovers and all those sorts of things. And none of that happened. Figure they would have been focused going into LSU being ticked off that they lost last year in the shoe game and that, you know, LSU was a beat up program with a coach who was about to be fired and you know that they would have been well able before to you move on to... from
0: there yeah and before you move on from there a good point and it's something we've brought up before like I said, i'll give him credit for making the move and you said maybe too little too late but that's just one more overall big picture look of what we've just kind of said too reactive and not proactive
1: yeah i mean again i i, I have been defensive of mull well, in the last couple of weeks i've been um interested in seeing what he can do next year i think anthony richardson has a has the possibility of being a very very good quarterback potentially even elite quarterback i think with the right change of defensive coordinator this defense could be a really good unit um all that being said none of it matters if you go out there and hold and false start and turn the ball over and mm-hmm. don't make adjustments and all sorts of different stuff which is sort of what we can't make field goals um don't make any plays on special teams that make a difference like is there one area of the team that you just can hang your hat on and say, this area is the strength of the team? I asked Nick yesterday and stand up and holler. I said, you know, Bill, I think Bill Sykes is in our chat. He wrote a great article on read and reaction last year, looking at the number of all sec players that are necessary for an sec championship. And it was somewhere, I think in the range between six and nine that you needed all sec players and who on Florida's squad is going to make the all sec jason marshall maybe makes the freshman all sec team is Kyler elam going to make the all sec team at corner i don't know that's that i'm not sure he's going to plus he missed a couple of games who, who else is going to make the all sec all sec team so just from the standpoint of like the level of play of the guys who are out there um it hasn't been high enough forget about championship level it hasn't been high enough to 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 warrant making conference teams and that's an issue it's clearly an issue and, and you know, hey, maybe get, maybe hunkering down and coming together and, and pushing out all the outside noise is exactly what's necessary and they're going to come out. But, you know, the problem is, is at this point, if they come out and rip off four and five, four or five straight wins, I mean, they beat South Carolina and Sanford. Are we really right. going to be all that impressed with it? Um, yeah. whereas if they'd gone bunker mentality two weeks ago after the LSU loss, come out and play Georgia close, and it's not an embarrassing loss, then I think you say, okay, that might have been a turning point for the program, even with a loss. So again, when it comes to perception versus reality, I think that's one that's part of it, right? Is that the perception is that they should beat South Carolina. The perception is they should beat Missouri. The perception is they should definitely beat Sanford the perception is they should meet, beat Florida state the only time they might even have an excuse for losing the game is the bowl game. And so if there's another loss along the way, man, you think the noise is in the system now (laughs) just wait. If they'd like drop a game to the Seminoles at the end of the year, a home game to Florida state, what's the noise going to be like then? I, you know, I I think perception matters. It matters for a lot of different reasons. And the other thing is, is I think, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think the perception is actually pretty close to reality. I mean, you know, the things he was listing, the turnovers, the penalties, the the lack of discipline, all that sort of stuff. Those are the things we are upset about. (laughs) Like, we're not upset about
0: Yeah, and and I guess you're going to my first point. Like I said, it was inconsistent. It was inconsistent. Okay, yeah, inconsistent this week. It would be the defense one week. It would be the offense one week. Before I finally came to the realization, and probably what you're going to, I think the perception of the inconsistency finally met my reality of this team is just pretty average.
1: Which I mean again, I, I think I'm not gonna let it ruin the rest of the season for me. I'm a fan. I, I enjoy I enjoy, enjoy the thirteen point. games a year. You've got yep. you've got five of these left. Go enjoy them because it's not just about winning. it's also about the familial atmosphere. It's about all the people you go tailgate with, the people you connect with, the people you connect with on Twitter through greatest breakdown through reading and reaction, and then the people that you connect with in your family who are all gator who are all gator fans and and that sort of stuff as well. So don't let it ruin your don't let it ruin your season. I mean, obviously it's not where we want to be at the same time, I think there's value to these games um, yeah you know, but the re- like you can't make a distinction between perception and reality at this point because the only like you can say, Hey, realistically, I've even made this point realistically from like an FBI perspective or an S P plus perspective, Florida may be better than four and four, but nobody gives a crap. At the end of the day, you lose four games and three of them are to the teams that you have to start beating consistently. You're two and eight against those teams overall in your time at Florida. And you couldn't beat any of them when you were at Mississippi state either. I mean, at some point, Fans look at it and go, when are you going to win a big game? And, you know, last year we thought we had that with Georgia. I think we did have that with Georgia. But the interesting thing is, is I was thinking about this the other day. I think you even put it in my article that Georgia was down last year and still went eight and two. And then found go. their quarterback. They thought they found their quarterback the last four games last year. Turns out that's been a little bit murky this year. But they had a down year last year and were eight and two. And now they're having an up year and they're potentially going to win the national
0: championship. Yeah. A, a down at, year for them was playing the two teams that played in the SEC championship game that had two of the best offenses in college football. <laughs> yep. And the, a down year for Florida is four and four,
1: probably eight and four with a bowl game. And then a ceiling, a high ceiling year is last year's eight and four, or the year before eleven and two. I, I don't think that there's a, I don't think there's a reliable path to thirteen and zero. And that's where people get frustrated because you know at the end of the day, you know, Mullen came in talking about the Gator standard. The perception was he was going to do everything he could to lead this team to SEC and national championships. And you know, right now, I think there's real doubt as to whether this program is going to be able to get that done under Mullen. Um, and even so, even if they do accomplish that, it's going to be more like Auburn being able to pick off Alabama every once in a while. Then it's going to be like Florida under Urban Meyer where they were the big dog or Florida under Steve Spurrier where they were the big dog, which to be honest, that's the Gator standard. Like we talk about the Gator standard being SEC championships and national championships, not SEC championship and national championship plural there's an s at the end of the gator standard and and the question is can you even live up to the singular version of those words and that's in doubt but even if he can i still think that that's falling short of what the real gator standard is which is georgia is that team we make fun of that we pound every year Tennessee is that team we make fun of that we pound every year. Florida State is the real rival because they have a coach over there who, who can help them beat the SEC. You know, that's sort of the Gator standard, and uh, that's going to be a tough one to achieve based on what Georgia's putting together, what Alabama has already put together, and where Florida is in this current incarnation of the program.
0: Yeah, that, that's going to my, you know, my spiel I put on Twitter yesterday of like, yeah, all these – you know, all, all the talk of Mullen and, and how he comes to Florida and, and makes the changes and, and, and a fast start and now faced with where we are out right now and the changes that need to be made, you know if, if he's going to make the changes, what is the timeline for all that? Are we willing to wait? Is there willing to be patience uh, from the, everybody involved of if the changes are made, you know what is the immediate reaction of those changes and what is the fallout from those changes as far as timeline goes uh, and, and all the positivity coming from those changes? Uh, well, uh, yeah, you mentioned, uh, okay, bunker mentality. Florida still has four more games, you know, sitting at four and four uh, right now. There's still some to play for. You, look, as Will said, we still enjoy these games the season. I never want to see Florida lose a game no matter who they're playing. So there's still four more games to sit here in uh, cheer for these players. But also, you know, the mindset uh, of these players, and that's what Dan Mullen goes into with, uh, you know, the rest of the season.
2: I mean, that's the difference, okay? So, as, as a regular person probably looks at that, says, Yeah, I got to ask myself that question like I'm lost. A competitor says, I got to ask myself that question because I got to find a way how to win. And there's a big difference between the two, you know? Um, you got to be a competitor, like, I, I, I don't know. I'm a competitor. You're in a locker room, we got competitors. I've always challenged you guys. You guys come compete with me. Come compete with our guys anytime you want. You learn, you know, then you kind of learn a little bit more at the, the competitive edge of guys. Um, but I think that's it. So I think our guys on our team, uh, being that, I, I can see that. Yeah, I got to ask myself that question because I got I to make sure I'm competing at the level I want to go compete at to go win.
0: Well, that was kind of in response to Damian Pierce, uh, you know, he was asked Saturday night about Florida sitting at four and four and, you know, what there, what there is to, to go do the rest of the season uh, as Florida has four more games and you know, Damian Pierce saying, you know, look, you know, I want to go play. You know, it's, it's uh, that, that that's what we're here to do. We're here to go win ball games that we go play and Florida still got four more to win. So you know, Dan Mullins looking for competitors uh, right now. And you're know, kind of reminiscent of the whole thumb wrestling con, you know, comment back in 2018 and, you know, the, the 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 competitor competition you need to go play uh, uh, under him, well, you know, that's coming back around now. And, uh, you know, maybe that come to Jesus moment uh, that I talked about, you know, maybe um, I think that goes along with finding guys who want to be out there and, and, and go play. If there's guys out there who are not getting the job done, they can come off the field and somebody else can come on the field. Uh, But, you know, whatever comes out of this bunker mentality, whatever comes out of this come-to-Jesus moment that happened uh, today uh, in the football program, you know, Mullen's got to go find the right guys that want to go win the rest of these four games of the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that there's – Obviously, value to what he's saying. He clear compete was clearly the word of the day in yeah, the press conference. He said it about seventy-five exactly. times in about a minute yeah. and a half.
0: As um, our good friend uh, David Sutterquist pointed out, you know it was it went from evaluate, evaluate, evaluate to compete, competitor, compete, competitor. So there we go. Uh,
1: well, I'll take it because that's better than evaluate. Is, is exactly gonna have people out there who compete? <laughs> but in many ways, just like the thumb wrestling comment, the thing that made that something that resonated is that Florida came out and immediately started winning after that. And so that's the question, right? Like words are words. Words don't mean anything. Pull a guy off the field when he screws something up, right? (laughs) Like hold people accountable for the mistakes that they're making on the field. Like if you watch most programs, when an offensive lineman gets a false start, he comes off for a play. And, you know, when a guy gets a holding, that guy usually comes off for a play. When a guy gets a personal foul on like a kickoff return or something like that, you might not see him the rest of the game. Like there are – Um, accountability things, you know, there were the, the play right after the fumble by Anthony Richardson, the, the defense wasn't ready to compete there. Uh, the linebacker i think it was jeremiah moon got knocked back like 10 yards back uh, Brenton Cox could have crashed down and dove to get the carrier but instead he decided to try to run after him and get him down the field and sort of wasn't able to get there in time before he got in the end zone i think there are other guys on that play too who got who got knocked back quite a bit um, but that you know again that was something that seemed uh, not all that competitive so you know hey compete. It's a great word. I hope that's what we see from the team. I hope they go out and compete like crazy. I hope that the competition leads to everybody get better. You know, the old iron sharpens iron type of stuff. And, uh, that's great if we see it, but until we see it, it's yep. just words and same thing on the recruiting trail. You can talk all you want about you go out there and you recruit and you, you do everything you can, but until we see it, it's just words. And you know, you're going to have people cracking jokes about can I come compete with you at wakeboarding and those sorts of things because perception matters. And you know, Kirby smart made a really interesting comment where he really basically said that in order to do this job, well, you have to sacrifice time with your family. He said, my family sacrifices so that I can be in the lives of these young men so that I can build relationships with these young men. And we've heard a lot about Mullen, Mullen, purposefully not making that
0: sacrifice, not just for him, but for his assistants as well. Right. The he, and, and, he, and, and I want to say that's not wrong. It should, but if that's going to be your approach, then there needs to be a, a certain understanding with that. Right. Well, I mean,
1: it, it, the reality is is that Kirby smart has decided that that sacrifice is worthwhile for what he's yeah. trying to accomplish. Dan Mullen has decided to take a different tact. Okay. That's great. Like your assistant coaches have more time to themselves. They have the ability to, to have better work-life balance in some ways. That's, that's a good thing, right? I mean, you don't want anybody to be, I don't want to be consumed by my career. Um, So it's not a bad thing, but there is a trade-off with that, right? Like the sacrifice that you're making when you, when you decide to embrace work-life balance is unless you're an unbelievable salesman. You're going to have some issues on the recruiting trail compared to the guy who says I'm going to be cutthroat and my kids are going to come in behind the uh, in some ways are going to come in behind the the players and I'm going out there to recruit. I thought it was a really telling part of that speech that he talked about the sacrifices that his family makes so that he can be successful. And, you know, hey, whether or not you agree with it or not, doesn't matter. He's doing it. And that's one of the reasons why he's successful at what he's
0: doing. Well a lot of people after that comment will say, "Well, I not you go be Georgia fans that, that 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 gets on my nerves so much uh, <laughs> first of all, there's nothing more than not hating that team that wears red and black. You can ask anybody that knows me, uh but you know you can appreciate success and and, and how it comes about and that that's all it is. uh now people will come out, well what title was Georgia won? Does't matter what title is Georgia won?" They're keeping Florida from winning titles. That's all that matters to me. So I, I, I could care less. how many. granted, the 1980 jokes are fun. Don't get me wrong, but I could care less. I, could, you know, I couldn't care less how many titles Georgia wins. They're hurting Florida from winning titles. And that's all the boils is down to for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think at the end of the day, the job description for a college football coach is to have the best players on the field because you have an advantage in big-time college football and that you don't have to rely on a draft. Right. It's not like the worst teams get the best players the next year to help even out the playing field. That's not the way it works. The way it works is that Nick Saban wins a championship, which leads to more good players, which leads to more championships, which leads to more good players, which leads. But the players come first. Right. Every major program. Bill Bill Sykes did a great job a couple of years ago writing about sort of bump classes and how I think only two SEC coaches have won a SEC championship after their third year. And so we're sitting here in year four going, all right, are we going to be Phil Fulmer? Are we going to be Tommy Tuberville? Are we going to be one of the myriad of SEC coaches who weren't able to get over that hump and win the SEC championship? And even if you said, hey, we're going to be Phil Fulmer. And Fulmer is a really good coach, right? Hall of Fame level coach for, for college football. But he got tormented by Steve Spurrier. And so that's, you know, from the standpoint of historically, what are you looking at as a high weather mark for what the Dan Mullen era can be? That's probably what you're looking at. You're looking at Phil Fulmer at Tennessee during the Steve Spurrier era at Florida. And I'm sure that the Tennessee fans in many respects were frustrated by the inability to get over Florida during that entire time in the nineties and early two thousands. And uh, you know, especially when Peyton Manning was there and the reality is that's kind of where we're at right now when it comes to Florida, Georgia, at least based on the last
0: four years. Yeah. Well, so yeah, we'll go in these next four games. Yeah, you know, a lot of people won't take much out of it. What I will say, you know, if we're if we're going to sit here and hit this staff for playing up or down the competition, well, okay, we'll go out and blow these four teams out. If you want to take any solace, any step in what maybe comes out of this week and shutting it down and coming, you know, coming in amongst yourselves, all right, then go blow South Carolina out like you're supposed to. Sanford, Missouri, not not that great. FSU, yes, they are improving, but if Florida can play their best game on both sides of the ball that should be a blowout if you want the perception to change a bit of something we have hit this staff and this team on before okay and then go out and and blow these four teams out if you want me to learn anything for these next four games personally that that's what i want to take away from it Uh, if, if you want me to sit here and take anything away and of course we'll see ar's health and what happens at quarterback and all that, but to me, it honestly really doesn't matter who's at quarterback. Go blow these next four teams out.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're a team that that has hung its hat on running the ball all year long. Go out and blow some people off the list. <laughs> of right, right, you should you, be able to. Yeah, you know, you, you're playing a team that's four and four next week in South Carolina, four and four in Missouri, an FCS team in Stanford, in Sanford, and then a three and five Florida State team that lost to Jackson, Jacksonville State, Jackson State, whoever it was, lost to it, you know, on a Hail Mary, <laughs> Hail yeah. Mary to an FCS team. Those are teams you should beat. And those are teams you should beat handily. Though to be honest, that's what I expect, because that that has been the Mullen MO. If you look at his record against teams that are you know, like top 10, it's really bad. If you look at his record against teams like 10 to 25, it's eh, on par. And then you look at his record with teams that are 25 and worse. um, You know, he's basically undefeated in his time at Florida. So he beats the teams he's supposed to beat that are non- that are really sort of below that top 25. It's once you get in the top 25 that every once in a while is clipped by a Kentucky or by a Missouri or or some team like that. The reality is, is that the team, you know, we expect them to beat South Carolina, Missouri, and Florida state, but from a record perspective, you're not any better than those teams. Right. And so if you, if you go out and the expectation is, is that just by showing up and rolling the ball out there that you're going to be able to dominate? That's not going to get the job done. And uh, you know, I, I think just showing some toughness, showing some resilience—you um, know—you can pull everybody into a bunker. But if they're not all bought in, it's all going to fall apart. And so we'll see that too, right? That if the yeah. if the if the team hasn't bought into the bunker mentality, then I think it could get out of hand real quick. Just because um, if you don't have buy-in and you're trying to trying to instill discipline eight games into the year and and you don't have the pulse of the team then that's gonna be a problem if you do have the pulse of the team then i think you come out and i think you'll the guys are going to show an awful lot of pride and let's not forget all these guys want to go to the nfl so you know we may sit there and say well what is there to play for you can't win an sec championship you can't win a national championship this year but let's be honest that's not why the guys come play college football the reason they come (laughs) play college football is they got to put they got to put stuff on tape that nfl scouts look at and say whoa like that's somebody we want to draft. So a guy like Kyrie Elam needs to go out there and show that he really is a top 10, top 15, top 25 pick, Um, you know, because the the tape thus far this year has been limited. Um, Guys like Zach Carter are going to have to start dominating mm-hmm. up front in order for people to look at him more than a mid-round draft pick. Guys like Brenton Cox are going to have to, you know. I think he's got one sack thus far this year, like for a guy who's playing on the edge, that's going to be a problem. And so you're going to have to start to show you can hold the edge in the run game. You're going to have to show you can get to the quarterback consistently. If you don't do that, then you're going to be an undrafted free agent, or you're not going to get drafted and you're not going to get signed as an undrafted free agent. And at the end of the day, these next four or five games are really an audition for a lot of these guys um, when it comes to their NFL prospects as well. So I'd expect them to buy in. I'd expect them to come out and play well. I'm hopeful that they'll come out and, and show that they are superior to Missouri and to, and to South Carolina. But, you know, the record says they're not. The record says this should be a 50-50 proposition. And while that's sad, that is the state of the program right now, at least in 2021, is that, you know, Florida has the exact same record as South Carolina, the exact same record as Missouri. And so this idea that they're just going to come blow them out of the water, I think, is ignoring what we've seen eight games in. Right? The inconsistency is – Um, Not just within the game, it's also game to game. So can they put together four consistent 60 minute performances? If they do, then I think we can say, hey, the the bunker mentality and those sorts of things start to pull things together. But I suspect there's still going to be inconsistencies because it's hard to Mm -hmm. fix that overnight. And so, you know, we'll see.
0: Yeah, and maybe it is something they just worked on the last two weeks, and Georgia's just that good, and that can that can be a whole that can be a whole part of it uh, that some of the things they worked on because you were playing the number one team in the country, you were playing the best defense that uh, one of the best defenses we've seen in recent history. Uh, so maybe maybe there's things they ER, are they did work on, and Georgia's just that good, uh, but you know we, we won't really be able to tell that uh, until these next four games happen. Uh, well, let's get into uh, this is the one I hate bringing up. But we don't shy away. We don't put our head in the sand here Uh, on Gators Breakdown. People can sit and say, You're not helping the program at all when you share and talk about this stuff, but we've never shied away from this type of stuff. And we're not, like I said, we're not going to dig our head uh, in the sand here. We won't be the first ones to bring it up. It's already been out there, but The Athletic uh, put out an article today. Uh, and not good uh, for Florida. Pretty much labeled the program soft. Will, uh, if I wanted to put one word on all of this that we're going to discuss here, uh, the word soft comes to mind. And look, and that's not something we we knew Dan Ballon to be when he was hired at from Mississippi State. We always thought about you know some tough, hard nosed physical teams in the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, uh, and even his early tenure at Florida uh, as well. You know, soft was not a word uh, that we. Um related to Dan Mullen. Now, a lot of this is going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, So, you know, you can kind of throw Dan Mullen out as far as a direct comparison, description of him. But, of course, he's the head coach. He employs uh, this defensive coordinator that is not, uh, not well regarded around the SEC East right now. Well, and it's funny how it changes because we go from these anonymous coaches – in our Athlon and our Lindy's magazine, where just a year ago Todd Grantham's getting lauded for his defense and what he brings to the table, and now in 2020 and 2021 it's the complete opposite. So uh, Bruce Feldman, Alan Taylor, um, for the Athletic, just the first quote here, will, and we can pick and choose some of these. I won't, uh, I won't ruin the the Athletic article here, uh, but j- I'll just go to the first one. Florida, they just don't play hard, and SEC East Coach said. Georgia's trying to rip your head off, they might be up 30 to nothing, and their linebackers are flying upfield to get after you. Florida is a finesse team. Kentucky plays hard. You watch Florida on tape. They've got skill, but they're not physical. One more, they play with zero discipline, one SEC offensive coach, whose team faced the gadgets this season. Quote, they don't play hard. And one more, we were more physical and much better than them in the box, said another SEC offensive coach. We were mauling them. Okay. Um, That's an LSU guy there, I'm assuming. (laughs) (laughs) We were mauling them, but, I mean, there you go. I mean, things you don't want to hear about your program, and, of course, coming out right now after losing another game to your biggest conference rival, uh, you don't want to hear all this, and, you know, this, these quotes just didn't come about a day after losing to Georgia. These are quotes that have probably been gathered for the last couple of weeks or so uh, in, in coming up with this article. And we'll, of course, Florida put a, put together a pretty good defensive performance versus Georgia this past week. But, look, this is all encompassing. This is uh, looking back at last year. This is big picture looking at this defense under Todd Grantham. Uh, And I'll get into it a little bit more, but at least we're starting right here of not being physical and pretty much labeled soft.
1: Yeah, did did the defense really play all that well? I mean, I I think they played – decently against a offense that was stopped by Kentucky at least until the Georgia defense started to take over I think that one was like 14 to 7 at the half this is not an offense that's just blown the lid off of people and and the other thing is is that defense isn't just do you stop the other team when they get the ball at their own 25 after a after a kickoff it's also do you stop them when there's a sudden change. And I think, you know, one of the things that's been consistent this year of all the things that's been inconsistent, the one thing that's been inconsistent or that has been completely consistent is that every time Florida's turned over the ball in one of their losses, it's turned into a touchdown within four or five. Plays. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, right. you know, against Alabama, it, Emory Jones throws an interception when they're down 14, three, six plays later, it's 21 to three. They were down, they were down 13 to 10 against Kentucky. Emory Jones throws an interception um <laughs> you know and all of a sudden they're down 20 to 13 you go the game against lsu both turnovers turn you know they got returned to like the 28 20, i think one was the 28 yard line one was the 21 yard line like you're putting the defense in the rough spot But 14 points later lsu's up 21 to 6 and against georgia richardson obviously fumbles the ball throws the interception on the zone blitz you go from 3 and 0 to 17 and 0 and all of those things are the quarterback's fault for putting his defense in a situation where they have to to use mullen's terms hold the rope yeah but they didn't hold the rope once <laughs> yeah. and so you know if you i guess to I, at- I
0: it's relative for me um do i think it's they not played 2020
1: well- is that what you're telling me it's not yeah, as bad as last yeah.
0: year and i always go back do i think they played well enough to win the game and at points i do think they did uh you know my biggest biggest thing for coming in can we finally get a good start on defense versus georgia and they got it we just didn't get the return from the offense so you know that's where i go with it but you know i did bring that up yesterday too is yeah it's a tough spot but you'd like to see them make the play as well instead of you know and they they had some interceptions but it was some you know some floaters by stetson bennett thankfully you had guys in position you had guys in position to make the play you got the turnovers but as you said Georgia gets the turnovers and can do something with it. And I know Florida's position, field position, wasn't as fortunate when they got the turnovers, but still not being able to do anything with those turnovers at the same time.
1: So I I do want to go back to the question you were asking about the athletic article and say a couple of things. One is I know we've been critical of the program tonight. And that's one of the things that ends up happening when you're four and four coming off of a pretty embarrassing loss. Um, At the same time, I do think that it's worth, you made, you sort of mentioned the Athlon quotes, Lauding Mullen and Grantham earlier in the year and two years ago. And now you've got these anonymous quotes. You can go get anonymous quotes from various SEC coaches who one have are actively recruiting against that program, and so have reasons to be negative. And then also, um, you know, the reality is is that you could probably ask, um, you know, three different guys on a staff. You might get two positive quotes, one negative one. You could grab the negative quote to put it in here. But the sheer number of it is yeah. is pretty is pretty impressive. And then the well, some of it will
0: is st- stuff we have pointed to as well that's now coming to light from 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 coaches.
1: Well, I mean, so it, it backs up what we're seeing on the field and yeah. there's nothing worse if you're a football player than being called soft. I don't know mm. if there's anything worse than being called soft, especially if you're a defensive football player. So, you know, urban Meyer, I'm sure used to like put I think it was Nick Saban, right. Who, after the 2008 sec championship loss, basically had that game playing in, the facility for the entire offseason while Alabama was working up there. And then they had the scout team running Florida's defense the entire year. And when McElroy started looking at the, at the, uh, McEl- not Mac was it McElroy. Yeah. When McElroy yeah. started looking at the tape of Florida's defense in 2009, he's like, Oh, the scout team has been running this for the last 12 months. Like yeah. I know this defense, that sort of stuff is the kind of bulletin board material you can use to motivate players beyond what they think they're capable of. I'd have this thing up in the in the in the yeah. in the facility. I would make my defensive players read it, <laughs> like have them get up and read the well, thing because there's well, nothing. Well, you've to got, to, about you've
0: it. got my, as soon as this show's over with, I'll make sure I share it with I know people who can who can put it in that locker room, and uh, we'll see if they're if they're out of the bunker. If they're out of the bunker, man, hopefully whatever Mullen had to say to him today can can make that uh, can make that change. But you're right, uh, yeah, this should. This should should be put up there.
1: End of the day, there's nobody soft in the NFL. And to be honest, Mm -hmm. there's nobody soft who plays SEC quality football. Uh, But at the same time, if you've got people who are saying that about you and it's showing up, I mean, I I think the, the thing that really sort of the lack of adjustments, but the lack of toughness that was shown against the counter against LSU is the thing that immediately Mm -hmm. jumps to mind when you start talking about this. Right. And it's like, it's not that these aren't tough guys, but it's that when there was an opportunity to make a play, to stand up, to be the guy who's going to get the penetration, to be the guy who's going to blow up the tackle or the guard coming around, who's pulling to be the guy who's going to take the right angle from the safety position to be the guy who's going to chase down the running back from the backside and, and, and get him in the hole, instead of sort of hedging between the quarterback and the running back, nobody was able to step up and do that. And so, you know, hey, some of that is effort. Some of that is scheme. Some of that is, is the reps that you've gotten over the course of the year. I thought it was interesting when Mullen said that, you know, in practice, you have a couple of good reps, and then you have a bad one. Then you have a couple of bad reps, and then maybe you have one good one. And that inconsistency in practice is showing up on the field. Um, you know, and sometimes a lack of toughness can show up as a lack of confidence in what you're doing, a lack of um, mm. comfort with the scheme. And so if that's the issue, then we need to make sure that people get comfortable. If it's not the issue, then, uh, you know, as Mullen said, they're going to have to hold the rope because at the end of the day, nobody's coming to nobody's coming to rescue you. Nobody feels sorry for you. Um, You know, end of the day, you're either going to be eight and four or something else. And you sort of have to get to decide that moving
0: forward. Going to that last uh, part there Will, that you brought up. Quote, they do some crazy, goofy things. They're odd when talking about this defense schematically. Uh, Schematically, they make no adjustments on defense. They have no answers. They'll stay in a too high shell as long as they can. They'll walk Jeremiah Moon down to create a five-man front and think they can stop the run with just that, but they can't. Granson spends all his time on third downs packages, with exotic pressures, an SEC offensive coach said, you can run the ball on them on third down. There's no one in their front seven that scares you. They used to have defensive ends that were pass rush phenoms. They used to have shutdown corners. They don't have either now. Uh, and one even goes down to say how disappointing Kyrie is when they look at him on film. Um, that said, you know, he's probably a, still a top 40 pick, uh, but they're not as high on him as they – um, were initially, uh, and then we'll to, to wrap it up there. you goes, You listen to some of the things Mullen says after his teams lose. He starts talking about stats and how, like, we really outplayed them. Basically, he's just making excuses and an opposing assistant. Your bunch makes mistakes in critical moments. Ouch. Uh,
1: yeah. I, I got a question How do you focus on third down defense and be that bad at it? <laughs> <laughs> like the guy's got a nickname, Third and Grantham, because he's that bad at it, and he, and it's not the first stop where he's been that bad at it. And apparently, yeah. spending all this time there. I, look, I I don't know all. I I suspect all of this is not true, but I suspect some of it is.
0: Yeah, and this yeah. is what
1: happens when there's complete radio silence from the program is that vacuum gets filled somewhere and the vacuum gets filled by people asking questions of people who are tangentially close to the program, as opposed to people who are within the program. And, you know, they've made their choice to do that. It's sort of what I said earlier and made his choices. And at the end of the day, he gets to live with the consequences or the benefits of those choices. And, you know, I mean, the guy hasn't lost his ability to coach football from the time they went 10 and three 11 and two to now being four and four. Um, He has the ability to coach and coach very, very well. The question has always been is we know he's a relatively high floor individual. The question is, what's the ceiling? We're seeing sort of what that floor is this year. And the hope is, is that next year that ceiling will show is higher than maybe what some of us suspect that it might be. But, you know, Bill's pointed this out. I've pointed out, you've pointed it out that that's going to require special quarterback play which means that they're going to have to develop that guy to be that special quarterback to get things moving. That's sort of the Clemson model. Um, that's how Clemson was able to build up. It's actually sort of the anti-Michigan model. I mean, Michigan has sort of had game managers at quarterback. And even this year in you know, that game against Michigan state, they had no business losing the other day and they lose it because their quarterback is good, but not great. And, you know, good, but not great is good enough to beat you know, Penn State every once in a while. It's good enough to beat Rutgers. It's good enough to beat, um, you know, Indiana and Purdue. It's not good enough to beat Ohio State. It's not good enough to beat Alabama. It's not good enough to beat Georgia. And so, if you want to beat Alabama and Georgia consistently, you're going to have to have that elite quarterback and, and you're going to have to have a defense that can get stops when that elite quarterback inevitably makes a mistake. Because even when we look at Tebow, right, critical turnovers in that old miss loss in 2008, um, stopped on fourth and one you know, you have the missed extra point in that one, which, you know, special teams, we would have been howling after that one. I'm sure too. Yeah. Right. The, the difference is, is that all of a sudden um, coming out of that locker room, there was a level of leadership that made us understand that, Hey, that's a one-off and that the team is going to come out and the team is going to be prepared. But I still think we sort of looked at it and said, well, it's just words, right? It's just words until you come out that the, the, the speech is emblazoned because they went out and won the rest of their games. Right? Oh, yeah. And so the compete and the hold the rope and all those sorts of things will become part of Mullen lore if they come out and they rip off five straight wins this year and then they beat Utah to start the ne- ne- year next year and are competing at an extraordinarily high level. And Anthony Richardson's out there throwing dimes all over the place. You know, this will be a blip, but it's not going to be a blip if that stuff doesn't happen. And so that's where you're at, right? And this is always the way it is in the SEC. If you don't win, changes get made. In the SEC, if you win, you keep making more and more money and everybody lauds you. And, and Mullen's comment about you know being six inches away between a you know a pat on the back and a kick in the butt, he, he's not wrong, right? Like that is the way the SEC works. I mean, look, Orgeron won a national title in 2019, <laughs> yeah, has recruited way better than Mullen has, and they've already kicked him out. So, you know, the SEC is a cutthroat business. If you can't handle it, then you know yeah, I, I understand. Who, yeah.
0: and I love people who bring up oh it had off-field issues. If he was still winning trophies, those off field issues go away. Yeah, well, I, I, think I,
1: I, mean, I think I said this before I came on before we came on, which is I, I'm reminded of a, of a scene from the movie Bull Durham. It's it's old because I'm old, but you know, I, I love that movie. It's been on recently. And and there's a scene where um, the pitcher who's a young guy has fungus on his shower shoes, and Kevin Costner's character says, Look, when you get to the show, you can have fungus on your shower shoes, and people think you're colorful. <laughs> but until then it means you're a slob and that is coaching <laughs> in the sec in a nutshell is until you win you're a slob <laughs> but the minute you win you can do whatever you want right you can yell at you can yell at reporters you can be short you can you can deny access you can do all those sorts of things and none of us would care if florida was seven and one and had just beaten georgia yep. turns out when you're four and four and you lose Florida four to seven eh? Now people care, right? Because all those little things that haven't bought you any um, haven't bought you any capital with the people who not just cover the team, but with the fans who have been following the team. You know there are easy ways to build capital with those people that Florida has chosen not to do, and that's a choice. But you get to live with the consequences of your choices, and that's that's the way sports are, and that's especially the way the SEC is. So win—it's it's the old Al Davis thing, man. Just win, baby. Like at the yeah. end of the day, you win, nobody's going to say a thing. And, you know, let's be honest, people excused away some of the off the field issues when Urban Meyer was winning national championships as sort of the cost to doing business. And then the minute he started losing, then the off field issues became a real problem. And that's sort of what you saw with Orgeron. And, and I suspect is what you'll continue to see in college football with, with coaches who are, who are trying to compete at this highest level.
0: All right, good stuff, Will, to close it out. Uh, Quickly, I'll get into it more on the Florida-South Carolina preview. What do you want to see from quarterbacks? Uh, Richardson, uh, uh, if you want more of Will's thoughts with Richardson, go read his latest uh, article there at Reed Reaction. He kind of goes back and and looks at Richardson's performance there. But, Will, right performance, uh, wrong decision, right decision to go with AR, right decision, wrong decision to continue going with Anthony Richardson, given that he's healthy.
1: I mean, yeah. Given that he's healthy, I think that's a that's a caveat. Obviously, if if it was a concussion protocol that kept him out, I want to make sure that he's fully healthy before you put him out there. Especially the fact that they're going to have him running so much. Um, I, I think Richardson, until he got hit on the sack, actually did a pretty decent job. It was the sack when they were in ter- they were in Georgia territory for the field oh, goal. Yeah. He takes the sack back to the forty. Then they ran the weird double pass on second and yeah. twenty. I thought he should have run the ball there, and instead of doing that, he threw it downfield into into double coverage, and then they go for it on fourth and thirteen, which was weird after the option to to make one right. But I feel like the hit that he took from, I think it was Trevon Walker on that one, it, it looked like he was a little bit shaken on that one. And then, you know, we saw the turnovers. I don't want to make excuses. I mean, he's out there, so he needs to play well. Um, it clearly didn't play very well. I think you can make excuses and say, hey, this is the toughest defense he's going to play all year. It's kind of unfair to throw him in there for his first start. But you and I were both saying we need to play him, mainly because yeah. the high end of Anthony Richardson gave you a chance to win. And the expectation was that the turnovers were going to be offset by explosives. And that just wasn't the case. There weren't any explosives to be had, but there weren't really any explosives to be had when Emory Jones went out there either. Um, Look, uh, you and I have been consistent about this for a really long time. They have to find an elite quarterback in order to compete with the big boys in, in the sec East and the sec. And Anthony Richardson has an opportunity to be that guy. And you need to find out now whether he's that guy and he's and not going to see
0: it. And, and saturday was not finding out by the way. I think no, a lot I of mean, people already want to make that conclusion. I, I have seen it. i'm not, you know, and yeah, you know, uh, i'm all for everybody having their own opinion. i'm not going to tell you right or wrong, but saturday was not our ultimate decision. uh <laughs> our ultimate uh you know, outcome of that game is not indicative of what Anthony Richardson is or or, or not going to be at Florida.
1: Well, so, I mean, if you're going to do that, then you got to do the same thing to Emory Jones, who went 17 to 27 for 113 yards with a touchdown and two interceptions against FAU, right? Like yeah. the first time he got real reps as a starter, that was his line. It was bad, right? And and yeah. his, his QB rating was under 100. He had averaged 4.2 yards per attempt. And look, I mean, Anthony Richardson did plenty better against Georgia, but if that's going to be the standard, then you got to hold the standard for both guys back there behind, behind center. The other thing is, is that, One of the values that may come out of this, I think I've said this a few times, but Anthony Richardson came here and decided to change his number to 15. And that means something at Florida. And yeah, it's cool with the nickname and all that sort of stuff and NIL and those sorts of things. But you don't change your number to 15 if you're afraid of expectations and if you're lacking Mm -hmm. in confidence, especially for a guy who grew up in Gainesville. Like that guy knows the ramifications of wearing a number 15. He's seen people his entire life walking around town wearing number 15 jerseys. So he knows what that means for Florida. So I don't think you're going to harm his confidence by having him in there in a game and seeing him struggle. But he's not going to see a defense better than Georgia the rest of the year. And so he now knows what – if anything, the value that comes out of that is, one, I think it points out to him that he needs to – that there's improvement to be made, right? The other thing that it points out is that, hey, that is the standard you're going to have to get to. You're going to have to go out and, and compete against that defense because those defenses aren't going to get any less salty there at Georgia, I don't think, over the next two or three years. And then it's also going to sort of point out to him the difference between a game against FAU or a game against USF or even a game against LSU and a game against Georgia. And so, you know, I, I don't think, I think the jury's out on Anthony Richardson. I don't think you can say, Hey, he's definitively yeah. the solution, but I also don't think that the jury is closed on Anthony Richardson where mm-hmm. you say, no, he can't, he definitely can't be that guy. And I, I think, um, you know, having that be his first start was probably a disservice, but I'm not, necessarily um like that doesn't mean i wanted them to hold off on playing him it means i wanted him to play him earlier in the year and yeah, the fact they chose go. not to do that mm-hmm. put him in a situation where this is what you get but he's he's shown i mean even after the game against against georgia he's still averaging 8.8 yards per throw i believe he's still averaging something like 10 yards per rush so he's put up quite a bit on tape that indicates that he still has an opportunity to be a special player. I think you got to give him the opportunity to do that. And here's the thing. From a PR perspective, like we've been talking about perception and reality, from a PR perspective, if Anthony Richardson comes out for the next four or five games and shows that he has the capability to be a special quarterback in 2022, even makes mistakes and sort of gets those Mm -hmm. out of the way and that sort of stuff, but shows he has the capability with an offseason of being that guy, the noise is going to quiet down quite a bit. Because at the end of the day, everyone's going to have hope for 2022. And that's really what recruiting is. Recruiting is hope. That's what quarterback play is, mm-hmm. It's hope. And so, you know, if if we can get that view, then everything quiets down. Now, the, the downside to that is if he goes out and struggles and basically is inconsistent and, you know, one game you get Anthony Richardson against USF and the next game you get Anthony Richardson against Georgia, that tells us something, too. Um, but tells us maybe we're further away than we might have hoped based on some of the early season returns. And you know, but that's something that I think you sort of you want to find out. Right? I and mean, mm-hmm. you got to find out where you are. And, and it's not just for Richardson. I mean, I think you need to find out with guys like Wingo. You need to find out with guys like Hopper. Yeah. You need to find out with all the guys in the secondary. You need to find out with some of the young guys on the offensive line and get them play, even if they're going to screw up. You got to get them out there because you can't rely on five or six guys in the offensive line. You get one guy hurt. And all of a
0: sudden, want, you, know, you got to have some in there. I want the new defensive coordinator to see if he has some true linebackers on the roster. I
1: don't know, man. I, it, no change <laughs> has been made there yet. I am not. Um, I am not saying anything. Knock on wood until a change is officially made. Um, yeah, it seems. Yeah. It seems like it should be obvious that a change needs to be made there. But I said that last year, and I'm. I'm not counting any chickens before they're hatched. <laughs>
0: All right, we'll say it's leaning that way. I guess we'll, we'll I'll leave it there. But uh, all right, well, good stuff, man. Like I said, I'll get in. I, I asked the same question on Twitter uh, about the quarterback situation. I'll get into everybody's uh, reactions and uh, remarks from that uh, on the Florida South Carolina preview later this week. So, uh, Will, we uh, went a little bit longer tonight. Uh, no harm in that uh, right now. It's just we all – I keep calling this group therapy this year, and that's kind of just where we're at right now. So everybody, we can we can kumbaya together just a little bit, and hopefully, hopefully, these four games uh, coming up, you know, Florida, Florida can go out there and show that they are uh, they're, they're better than these four teams coming up. So I right, will what uh, reading reaction this week? I'm sure Florida, maybe maybe South, Florida, South Carolina preview.
1: Yeah, there will absolutely go South ahead. Carolina preview up, and then the other thing is is I've been looking. Uh, The interesting thing is one of the things people keep asking is, is if not Mullen, then who that's sort of the refrain when people talk about Mullen and his job security. And one of the things I've been taking a look at recently is how he is, is how he compares to the other guys who were hired in the 2018 recruiting cycle, because at the end of the day, there's a risk to not making a change. But there's a risk to making a change. And I think it's an interesting, hopefully an interesting look at, at at that balance, right? And and that, you know, it's really easy to say, fire somebody. It's really hard to say, all right, let's get somebody better. And I think I think there's there are things that need to improve. There are things that need to get better for the program. Um, there are changes that need to be made. And I think we all see those sorts of things. Um but sometimes firing people is not the best option. And one of
0: one of the things I have up this week, hopefully we will explore that a little bit. All right, there you go. Readingreaction.com, YouTube at Reading Reaction. You can follow Will at Will Miles SEC on Twitter. I'm the host of Gator's Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Plenty of content out there, of course. We had another Twitter space this morning. i have another one on Friday if you missed those. But uh, twice a week there i like to say a Florida-South Carolina preview coming up later this week. You guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.